Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your DFS preview for this week's Waste Management Open. And joining me to break it all down, Greg Ducharme is snowed in, but he's here. Hey, Greg. It is, I mean, I'm here in Connecticut. It is crazy outside. My window, I can barely see if it's still snowing. The windows are like, I'm almost literally snowed in. I tried to take my son out this morning. uh, He wanted to go outside, and I've never heard him complain being outside about cold. And he right away, we lasted three minutes. Took about 30 bundling up, getting ready to go. We lasted three minutes outside, but happy to be here tonight. Well, we've got you uh, locked and loaded in front of the computer for the foreseeable future, right? You're not going anywhere. Let's yeah, go. I'm not let's, going anywhere. I'm locked in. Let's talk some golf. Sia Najad is back. Sia, you are in much warmer conditions. You do not have snow outside, but we still welcome you. 75 degrees and sunny. And and by the way, guys, did anything um weird or curious happen in golf this last weekend? I, I missed it. Anything, any rules violations, anything like that? Business as usual. Bad. Last I saw, <laughs> uh, I was telling these guys before we went hot, uh, the, the amount of messages I got, Sia, was like, whether you are the smartest guy in the world or you are the dumbest guy in the world, there was uh, certainly no gray area when it comes to Patrick Reed takes from the last couple of days. So I assume uh, there will be much more discussion about that in the in the future. It's it's, it's wild stuff. But we've got golf. We've got waste management open this week, Greg, an absolute staple on the schedule. Not only is it a great event, not only is it a great course, it's one that everyone should be familiar with. It's in every video game. We'll talk about it, talk about it in a second. But the alignment with a somewhat sizable football game on Sunday evening makes this all the better for just an awesome sports weekend. It's a great tradition on the PGA Tour. I, I love the Saturday typically is one of the one of the biggest sporting days of the year. Sunday may be a little bigger, not not necessarily in the game of golf, but I like the way that they have this set up. So you're right, Rick. Great sporting weekend um, all together, Saturday and Sunday. It's not going to have the same vibe as a normal waste management, Sia. Obviously, this is one of the largest, most raucous uh, fan experiences. They routinely break the record for uh, most attended golf event. I believe the record was a couple of years ago. I think it was 218,000 in a single day. We're going to see, I think, eight, I think is what they're letting in this time around. So, Sia, there's, there's, there's going to be some things that look weird. There's going to be some things that sound a little bit different, but there will, there will be fans out there. Yeah. And by the way, you know, it, we, we just mentioned the NFL, they allowed fans at some of those games. And even though it was like one tenth of the capacity, you really felt the energy. I mean, some of these playoff games you saw, you could really hear the fans. So I think it's kind of all a matter of perspective. Yeah. It's not going to be 200,000 plus, but I think we're going to see a much and feel a much different experience with just a handful of fans in there. So I'm actually really excited. And I think the adrenaline is really going to be rushing for the golfers themselves too, because you go from zero or let's say 15 or, or, you know, 25 that might be cheering for you on one hole to a few thousand or five or 7,000. It is a different experience. I think it's going to be way more exciting than people think from that perspective. Uh, remember when Rory was counting people like right after the restart and he was like yeah, 16, yes. 17, 18, like, what are you guys doing out here? That was, <laughs> that was the best. Uh, Greg, have you seen what they've done with 16? H- have you seen what it looks like this year? I haven't seen it this year. I haven't okay. seen the footage yet. I'm excited to see what it looks like. I mean, I, I think that is typically, I'm, I, that is the hole I'm looking forward to most. I'm probably not the only one, but it's typically, uh, it's a wedge. It's a very easy hole, but <laughs> yeah, it becomes it difficult because you get booed if you miss the green. It could be a foot off. It could be on the fringe. You get booed. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what that energy is like. And if that hole plays the way you would expect it to, a wedge on the PGA Tour, or if there's still a little bit of nerves, if there are a couple of thousand people on that hole. So I'm, yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing 
a, a wedge off a tee uh, on that hole and on 17 at Sawgrass are like the two easiest shots these guys hit on a regular basis, except for the fact that everything else is going on and you've got the Island yeah. Green at Sawgrass. Uh, so, so what it looks like is so they still have the stadium set up, um, but there is not as much, I guess, I don't know how to describe like stadium seating. There is seat. It's almost exclusively kind of like boxes across the top. So you're not going to have rows and rows and rows of fans down towards the green, but they still have the stadium set up. See, uh, there is still going to be the atmosphere. It's not going to be like when Tiger made his ace there in 90, whatever, where it was just uh, nothing out there. It's going to feel, it's going to look similar, uh, but just be a little bit different. Yeah, and, and and I guess that's what I was saying initially. I think we're going to feel that energy, and and honestly, uh, I'm just really excited to have fans back on a course, like appreciable size of fans. So yeah, I mean, let, let's get started. There's so many guys at the top, Rick. I'm I'm super excited. Okay, we're we're showing this right now. So Aaron Ober, Oberholzer was on the scene. This is the video that I saw. So producer Jacob has it up in YouTube right now. So you can see uh, the stadium is is still set up there, but not as many seats and mostly yeah, just across that's cool. the top. Yeah, pretty slick. Very right? cool. Like, like yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as this course goes, so S- Scottsdale, TPC Scottsdale, Greg, I mentioned that it's been in every video game forever. Everybody knows this course. Uh, it's a par 71, so there's only three par fives. It's back on Bermuda, and you know how I love to, to run the numbers on this one, Greg, and I, and I ran everything out there, and strokes gained approach. It was more important here, TPC Scottsdale, than any other course on the PGA Tour. So think about that. Uh, Strokes gain approach, already a very important stat week in and week out. More important here than any other course. And and it kind of passes the sniff test, Greg, because think about the winners. You know, Hideki's won twice, Webb, Fowler in his prime. Uh, I'm missing one from like the last five years, but it's they're, they're ball strikers that get it done here. Um, another interesting, we've had a lot of playoffs here of late, but I went through a couple of the recent winners, um, and the players who, uh, who ended up losing in a playoff and Webb Simpson last year was second approach, uh, in strokes gain approach, the green Tony Finau was eighth last year. He lost in a playoff. Ricky mm-hmm. Fowler was kind of the exception when he won, he led in strokes game putting and he didn't really have a great iron play week. So that, that was a little bit of a unique circumstance. That was where his ball rolled back in the water. He tried to give it away. <laughs> but Ricky does that, hurt, a little does that hurt your, does that hurt your strokes gain around the green number when your ball, like you haven't even hit it and it just rolls back in. I think that hurts your, uh, that's a great question. Or does it hurt? I, your I would imagine it has to hurt your approach, right? It, cause you, you took the original penalty. I don't know if it hurts yeah. it. It's got to come factor in somewhere. Yeah, because it, it because it because it you made a number that was higher than the number you were supposed to make from the position that you were in. I, I I could I guess I could go back and look that up, but that was a super weird. I remember watching that live, Greg, and being like, "Oh my god, his ball's moving!" Oh my, Ricky, like turn yeah. around, turn around, yeah. dude, go get it, go get it. It's not, it's gonna go in the water. <laughs> yeah, but he was tied twentieth uh, up, approaching the green. You had Gary Woodland was third in two thousand eighteen, uh, and then Hideki in in two thousand seventeen was was second. So in the past five years, you've definitely, the guys who have won have done great with their iron play, Ricky being the exception. And again, it's still, it wasn't bad. The other thing that I noticed, Rick, is the players who win here have great recent form coming in mm-hmm. on that same list. You just, you, you look at the guys um, who did it and you had a Webb Simpson last year, had a third at the Sony leading into it. And and it's a, it's a short window where you have that history Leading in Tony Finau had a tied six at the farmers and a tied 14th at the Amex. So he was in good form coming in. Um, you had uh, Ricky Fowler had some really nice performances in, in November, kind of the year before uh, Gary Woodland was tied 12th at farmers tied seventh at the Sony in 2017. Um, so, I mean, Ches Reeby in 2018 had six straight top 25s uh, leading into the career builder, which was the event before. So players have had two things that I found. One is, um, is, is the iron play strokes gain approach. Greens regulation seems to be pretty good too. And the second thing is recent form. I, I absolutely love that. And, uh, Sia, before we jump into this, the, the last thing that I, that I remember this, you know, this event's so memorable because it is on such a big day and it's a great event and all that stuff. So, uh, when Ricky finished runner up to Hideki, uh, I was holding a Ricky ticket and he was like two up with two to go. And then he went, they went to a playoff and Hideki beats him in the playoff. But I was avenged last year holding a Webb Simpson ticket. He's two down with two to go. Birdie's the last two clips 
Tony Finau in a playoff. So through this tournament, square, I'm even Steven. And now I start from scratch again this year. Wow, Rick, what a surprise. So Tony <laughs> Finau blew it at the end. Man, I can't yeah. believe that happened. It is shocking, isn't it? I don't think he's ever done that before. <laughs> um, all right, gentlemen, here's what we're going to do. We're going to jump into this. But first, you got to remember that the biggest sporting spectacle of the year is nearly upon us. We know everyone loves making their picks, no matter if you're a diehard fan or just tuning in for the big game. So we think you'll love this opportunity. Enter the CBS Sports football props game for your chance to compete for one million dollars we got to get a million dollar pot in the golf props but anyway one million dollars for the football props that's right if you correctly correctly answer all of the questions you are guaranteed fifty thousand dollars to the winner and you can win all that money without risking anything football props is free to play just visit cbssports.com slash props or download the cbs sports app to enter greg it's a lot of money buddy That'd be nice. Uh, yeah, I I could uh, I can think of a few ways to spend that. Count yeah. me in. You could get a snowblower and just get, get yourself out of this situation pretty quickly. Yeah, I, I'm not sure how I'd get it in. I, we'd have to work on that. I'd have to maybe fly it in with a helicopter or something. I don't know how that would work. You know what I'd do, Rick? I'd pay someone to snowblow it for me. That's right. That's somebody else's problem. You've got a million dollars. Gentlemen, let's start at the top of the board. And the $10,000 range is five wide. John Rahm, 11,200. Xander Shoffley, and even 11,000. Justin Thomas, back from the Middle East, 10,8. Rory McIlroy making his debut in Phoenix, 10,600. And Weber, Webb Simpson, your defending champion, 10,100. See ya. Where are we going, man? There's a lot to talk about here. It's really tough to criticize any one of these five, obviously. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna dig too deep here. And, and I don't want to be too clouded by recency bias, but I gotta say, I really like how John Rahm and Xander Shoffley played last week, especially Xander. You know, it, we we weren't sure if he was gonna make the cut. We know his history last week in La Jolla, like it, it's just or at Tory, it's just not very good. And he battled and all of a sudden, you know, he's near the top with, with a, at least an outside shot to win if Patrick Reed stumbles a little bit. I really obviously from an approach standpoint, I mean, I, I think your lean probably would be with, with Justin Thomas and Webb Simpson. But I just love how John Rahm and Xander are playing. And, and there's certainly no slouches in the off the tee and particularly in the approach department. So those are I know they're the most expensive guys. Um, and I know Webb's history is probably a little bit better here. But I think those are the two that I like the most. The Xander thing. Let's let's talk about Xander here for a second, Greg, because what the way that I kind of viewed last week was what's that situation and an immovable object versus an unstoppable force. You've got a guy who is just on the top of his game. He's got like 11 straight top 25. So he's just feeling it. And he gets to a place that has absolutely just stunned him and he hasn't been able to do anything. And he starts a little slow grinds throughout the entire week and ends up T two. And now I'm like, Oh my gosh, like if, if Xander's even figuring it out on courses that have historically had his number, watch out, man. Like it, I, I'm, I'm more, I'm so much more bullish on Xander five days later than I was, you know, five days ago. It's a good point. Uh, the, the last week really changes your opinion, but I, I will say Tory Pines is an interesting case for Xander Shoffley. It, it's a place that's in his hometown. Everybody's talked about that uh, a lot. He's only made one cut before last week. Um, everybody's talked about that as well. I wonder if there's a little bit of a home course curse kind of a thing going on that was broken because if you if you really think about it Tory Pine should be perfect for Xander Shoffley he does everything well and he's got a great short game and that was on display last week he's a great putter um he was I want I think he was second in scrambling last week um and a lot of that was made up in putting on the greens so for a player like Xander Shoffley to come in tied second at Tory Pines I think that's what we should expect to see and I think mm. the four the four missed cuts before that were the anomaly. Um, so this week, now we have a guy who has three starts at the waste management, and they're all better than uh, than T17. He's got a T17, a T10, and a T16. So that's um, that's okay. I think he's in really good form coming in. So I I expect Xander to improve on that. I'm just not sure, Rick, uh, and, and see, I'm not sure he's my favorite in this in this grouping, um, okay, probably is? because he's, he's 11,000. I think, I think Justin Thomas is my, mm -hmm. is my favorite here. Look, 
um, recent form, very important. And uh, uh, iron play is really important. That's why Webb Simpson's so interesting. Webb, by yep. the way, the forgotten guy is coming off a T17 and a T4. So his re- he checks all the boxes as well. Right. Yeah. Webb checks all the boxes. I just feel like Justin Thomas sitting there is the third, the third most expensive player in the world, uh, in the field. And he's the third ranked player in the world. Um, to me, that's, that's a great sign. It's a great mix. I know he missed the cut in, um, in, um, overseas in Abu Dhabi, Abu Dhabi he's, yeah. played, he's played great before that on the PGA tour. So I'm looking for Justin Thomas coming off a back-to-back third place finishes in this event, mm-hmm. the best iron player in the world, uh, who's been playing great except for one event. I, I think he comes back and gets a win this week, quite frankly. Yeah. And I mean, he flies to the middle East. He is, uh, dealing with sponsors, dropping him, trying to figure out what's going on. He's trying to make amends for getting caught on a hot mic. I mean, there's, there's more than golf going on for Justin Thomas in the past couple of weeks. And you can almost, you can almost say, uh, you know, listen, you, you miss a cut in Abu Dhabi, no big deal. You come back to a place where, uh, iron play is so critical. And, and to your point, Greg, he is the best iron player on the planet. Uh, so, so the two that you mentioned, JT and, and Webb, like, yeah, as much as I can get of both of them, you know, Webb Simpson, um, he, he probably should have won at Wyla. He probably should have won that event. He still finishes fourth. That's like this guy's floor. He is so good. He's going to defend his crown here. And I, I just love everything about him. But there's a name, Sia, that we that we need to talk about, and it's Rory McIlroy. And, and I was diving a bit deep into, into Rory this morning and I was going through the logs and I was running the numbers and, and, and the, the time frame that I like to use is since the restart, it's, it's a finite frame. Everybody kind of restarted at the same time. And I'm looking at fantasy results and median results, Rory McElroy and Emiliano Grio are exactly the same. It's, yeah. It's, insane. Yeah. it's yeah, crazy. It's 73, crazy. 73 draft Kings points is, is their median. One of them routinely $3,000 more expensive than the other. Yeah. And by the way, I'm a Grio truther. So that doesn't actually <laughs> surprise me at all. Um, you know, Rory, it, 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 to your point, since the restart, he just hasn't really been the same Rory. We see flashes of it one round or two, like, like we saw a, a week and a half ago in, in Abu Dhabi. And, and I wonder, by the way, if that travel may have affected him. And to the extent we believe that, I think we can apply that to Justin Thomas as well. I mean, that's 17, 20 hours in the air to, to get back. So it's something to consider. But as far as picking Roy, Roy McElroy from a DFS standpoint, I almost think it's a contrarian play at this point because the mm-hmm. arguments for the other four guys are so compelling that at this price range, it doesn't make a lot of sense to take Rory when we've just seen him just so often. I mean, he was so average, if not below average on Sunday coming in. He's not putting well. I mean, it almost seems to be like something in his head at this point. And I, again, it, to me, he's more of a contrarian play because there's such compelling arguments for at least three or four other guys in this range. And see the the final. I don't know if you guys saw Justin Ray's um, stat today about Rory in the final round, but I have it right here. He was in rounds one through three since the beginning of of 2020 worldwide, scoring average of of 69.1, and in the final round 70.8. So it hmm. goes and and 2020 includes a string of top five finishes at yeah. the beginning before the restart. He he finished everything inside the top six. Um, so. Look, I, I don't think that um, this had the the Sunday performance at Tory had anything to do with traveling. I think this is this is kind of what Rory has been. And for a guy in the ten, you know, above ten thousand five hundred, ten at ten six, you're looking for a win. And I don't think you can have that confidence right now with Rory. And. Uh, you know, a shot and a half or whatever it is between those two differences doesn't sound like much. It's huge. Like that, that average, those two numbers that you get, it's, it's a massive, it's a massive difference. Uh, Jumping down into the $9,000 range led off by Hideki Matsuyama. He plays okay here. Daniel Berger, Sungjae Im, Harris English, Ryan Palmer, my current favorite player on earth, Scotty Scheffler and Will Zalatoris. Gentlemen, uh, you know, when you start to look at, uh, uh, excuse me, course horses, there is probably few golfers who can do who can boast what Hideki has done at waste management. You think Cantlay at Shriners, you think Webb at Wyndham, you think uh, I guess Rory at East Lake. I mean, there's a couple other, but like this is like Hideki at waste management. See the back to back wins. Uh, his he's got a, a, another you know couple of of top. 20 finishes. He's been, he's been constantly in contention. It's unbelievable, but, but I have a lot of questions about the form that he's in right now. 
Yeah, and rec- exactly. A recent form has been a little checkered. And I feel like, listen, it's it's a reasonable price for Decky, but I feel like every time I consider Decky from a DFS standpoint, I'm always kind of shrugging my shoulders like, yeah, I guess I guess this is an okay play. And when we, you know, once Sunday comes and we, and we finish the tournament, it turns out it was just an okay play. I mean, there's other guys I like here. I, listen, I, I would never argue with somebody that wants to play Decky in this particular tournament, given the history and his ball striking metrics. But I mean, I'm probably going to pivot to like a Daniel Berger, for example, who, who I think, I mean, his history here is, is pretty solid. His recent form is pretty good. And speaking of the restart, I mean, this guy was, mm-hmm. we thought maybe, you know, once the, right before the restart and, and right after the restart, I think we thought, Hey, Daniel Berger is about to make a name for himself in terms of like cracking that top five, top six, uh, sort of golfer in terms of how we, you know, how talented we think he is. He's sort of fallen off, but his recent form is is pretty good, actually. And his form here has been pretty good. So Berger, for me, is probably going to be the pivot. And, and honestly, you, you flashed up just now a uh, Will Zalatoris. I think that's a pretty smart play. Listen, we're talking about approach, right? Uh, I mean, I know we don't have a ton of rounds on, on Will Zalatoris, but man, that guy not only was great last week with no course experience, but his approach numbers are pretty astounding. I'll actually play devil's advocate on, on, on Willie Z here for a second. So, um, what I like to do again, look at the, look at the restart and, uh, Strokes gain approach, Greg. Russell Henley's been number one in the restart. He's got like 50-something rounds. He's gaining like 1.08 strokes on approach per round. Will Zalatoris is right behind him, but Will only has like 14 or 15 measured rounds. I'd actually argue that we miss out on some of his – like I, we don't have his Bermuda Championship finish where he had a top 10 there because there's no shot link data. There is a chance in a small sample size that Zalatoris is the best iron player in this field. Obviously – not the resume, not the pedigree as some of these other guys, but in a small sample. And we saw flashes of that last week. It's an extremely small sample. Justin Thomas extremely. is in this field. Sure. Um, I would not. I mean, yeah. Saying, don't, I, don't get I, me wrong. Yeah, for sure. You'd have a hard time convincing me that he's better than, uh, than Webb Simpson as well. Because, I mean, the, the pedigree for those guys goes on for so long. But no, that's no discredit to Will Zalatoris. I don't think there's anything he could do to make me think he's a better iron player. He just, he doesn't have the time yet. I mean, he could have, he could have three wins and I, I wouldn't put him ahead of Justin Thomas. If, at this if point. he had three wins, we'd be foaming at the mouth right now. <laughs> yeah, we are already. We are already. I mean, the guy is, and, and he's comfortable now, right? He has his place. He's a PGA tour player. Now this is no longer a dip your toe in the pool and see how it goes. He's earned his way out here. And so I, I'm really looking forward to see what Will Zalatoris does. And I do think he's a good play. But I, I think the guy in this range is um, a guy Sia mentioned. I think it's Daniel Berger. I, I think mm. he's the I think he's the play here. I, I look at the tied um, the solo tenth at the Century Tournament of Champions, the tied seventh in Hawaii. His iron play, um, he's I, I want to say fifty fourth this year. Um, strokes gain approach the green, and he was thirty. Oh, he's fifty sixth this year, so he was thirty fourth last year. But his um, the actual number has gone up. Um, of strokes game per round. So I, I think Daniel Berger is the guy. And I love the way he putts. He's 25th so far this year on the PGA Tour strokes game putting. And you're going to need to make some birdies. So I, I'm looking at Berger. You could talk me into Sung JM as well, but I, I'm yeah. looking at Berger for being my guy this week. Uh, I'll make it a, a a round of burgers because I I love this guy too. Uh, it, we cannot get out of this out of this tier without talking about Ryan Palmer for just a second. I tweeted this out this morning because I don't think people realize how good he's been and why he is uh, deserving of this ninety two hundred dollar price tag. So since the start of twenty twenty, the calendar year, so January twenty twenty, fourth in median fantasy points, second in value. He has scored seventy or more fantasy points in over half of his start and he scored 80 or more in five straight. I mean, it, he's his price is coming up. It, it should be coming up, but Sia, he has been uh, a staple in a lot of my lineups over the course of the past couple of weeks. Uh, I don't know if we'll get there this week because there's a lot of great options in the nines, but like what he's doing really needs to be talked about. Yeah, and after the break, it's funny because we talked about this last week. He was 7,000 on DraftKings right after the yeah. break, okay? And he finished fourth. And then people started paying attention. So he jumped up to 9,200. Then last week, he's 8,400. And now he's back to 9,200. So so for me, I, I think Ryan Palmer's great. 
but but I think maybe he's for me he's probably been priced out just a little bit. That doesn't mean I'm not going to have any of him, but I, I don't know. I, I, Ryan Palmer is just one of those names that just doesn't really get the respect. And I'm assuming in the next you know month or two we're going to start to talk about Ryan Palmer much like we talk about maybe Daniel Berger or even Hideki Matsuyama. I mean, in terms of hey, this guy can go out there and get you a, a top five if, if if his game is on. One last guy, Greg, before we before we move on, and uh, I don't know what to do with Scotty Scheffler. Uh, he has now missed two cuts in a row. The one at Torrey Pines was especially ugly because he was one shot off the first round lead, and then he shot like a, I don't know, 78 or 79 or something, and goes out and misses the cut, and he's played this event once. He's missed the cut there. I'm, 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 st- I'm just here scratching my head unsure of what to do. Ever since the um, he he tested positive for COVID, he hasn't really been the same. I'm not saying that that's why, but it, there just seems to be that point where he was hot. He was one of the hotter players on the PGA Tour, and since then, it's kind of cooled off, and he hasn't really been able to find the rhythm yet. So for me, in a range like this, this is just like the way Sia and uh, and I would agree with him about Rory in the in the tens. You have so many great options in this range. They there are so many players that check boxes of recent form and iron play, recent form and iron play, recent form and iron play. And, and Scotty's missing one. So it's hard for me to play him. I, I, as long as he stays up in the $9,000 range, high eights, I think I'm going to, I'm okay with being late on him. If he starts to get below maybe that 8,500 and he's at a course where I feel really good, then, then I think I, I might take a, a chance on him if the form doesn't change. Um, and if the form does change, the price will reflect it. So for now, I'm going to be late on Scotty. Okay, sounds good. I will probably also take the same approach. We're going to jump down to the 8K range. There are some questions in the comments about guys in this range that I want to make sure we get to. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% will seek out a solution for that pain? Those numbers do not add up to me, and I know it can be confusing, the biomechanics of the foot, the bones, the muscles, everything in between, but solving foot pain is simple, and that's where Superfeet comes into play. These Superfeet insoles go into your shoes, give your feet comfort and support where they need it the most, and redistribute the forces that reduce both stress and strain through your entire body, not just your feet. Insoles have been uh, phenomenal for me uh, personally, and they are are clinically proven to decrease fatigue, reduce injury, and improve comfort. I can attest to that myself, especially when walking a a lot of golf holes that I play. So if you feel good, you play good, you look good, everything works out from there, and it starts from the bottom up. Visit superfeet.com and enter promo code FIRST at checkout for 15% off your first order, plus free shipping. It's a really fine line creating workout clothes that are great in the gym and workout clothes that are also great to look at outside the gym. And Viore has threaded that needle. They are designed to work out in, but they don't look like it. They don't feel like it. And it's incredibly comfortable stuff, whether you are running, training, swimming, doing yoga, running errands, lounging around the house. It really doesn't matter. These are versatile clothes. You'll find me often in the men's Sunday performance jogger because I I like the jogger situation that goes on down at the bottom, but they're very comfortable. Uh, They've got a little bit of a shorter inseam, so they're not as bulky as as other pants or other joggers that I have seen out there, and I've really enjoyed how they work both in and out of the gym. So now here's what you can do for four our listeners. Uh, First-time purchasers are getting 20% off. All you have to do is go to viori.com slash first. That's V-U-O-R-I.com slash first. Again, not only will you receive 20% off your first order, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75. And here's my favorite part, free returns. Yeah, go check it out. Viori.com slash first and discover the versatility of Viori clothing. And we're back. $8,000 range led off by Louis Ustazen. There are uh, uh, 
plenty of question marks here between Brooks Kepka, Matthew Wolf, Ricky Fowler, Bolton's here, Billy Horschel's here, Gary Woodland's here. We rounded out with Russell Henley, Siwoo Kim, and Brian Harmon. See, let's start with Siwoo Kim. There were some questions in the or wow, let's not start with Siwoo Kim. Let's start with Matthew Wolf. There were some questions in the chat about Matthew Wolf about whether he is still in the field as of right now. He is. We have not heard anything different. He obviously withdrew from the Farmers Insurance Open, citing a hand injury. He was, uh, I think, seven over after this round. What would have to happen between now and Thursday morning for Matthew Wolf to be in your lineups? Um, he would have to turn into a completely different golfer. He just doesn't look. <laughs> I mean, I'm just being. I'm just being honest with you. I I like Matthew Wolf, but he's he's not in a good zone right now. He wasn't in a good zone before we had the break, and he isn't in one now. I mean, he, you know, he withdrew, and then the tournament before that, he wasn't very good. Off the tee, he hasn't been very good. He he almost looks to me like like Carlos Ortiz looked yesterday uh, on his back nine where he's just trying to figure it out and he's, he's just kind of confused and it's just not, listen, I, I don't like this price range very much, but to the extent I have guys in this price range, Matthew Wolf's not going to be one of them, regardless of whether he gets a clean bill of health or he gives himself a clean bill of health this week. I think that's the key is even before last week, the the weapon, the driver was was letting him down. It was certainly by his own standards. It was not very good. And then, of course, you know, he just ran into a buzzsaw. That is the, the south course at, at Torrey Pines. Uh, Greg, I look at some of these other guys in this in this range here. We've got Ricky Fowler. You want to talk about course history? You want to talk about past winners? You want to talk about guys that set up well for uh, TPC Scottsdale? It's certainly Ricky, but we are still trying to figure out what the heck is going going on with his game right now yeah i don't feel very confident with him you know i i just had this thought his coach john tillery is great is there's no question about it but i think back to when ricky made the switch and and he made a coaching change and the thing that was holding him back in my opinion wasn't wasn't mechanics at all and i feel like ricky just by making a change it, it it does not matter who he's making a change to or what they're changing. It's just he added a, a variable to me with his game and changing his golf swing. And I don't think it was necessary at this point. Um, that I don't think that Ricky was being held back by the mechanics of his golf swing. I think there were uh, other things for him to work on at that time. So, um, again, Ricky's another one of those guys I'm going to root for, uh, but he's not going to make it in my lineups this week. Let me ask you this, Greg. What would you describe over the years, what we know from Ricky Fowler, what's what's the best part of his game? Uh, his his putting. And his wedge got, play is great. He's very well-rounded. Yeah. But yeah, the putter. The putter. The, the, and it has been putter. great. It, it, it's, it's been bad. Yeah, th this is what my biggest concern is. His last three measured events, uh, he's lost strokes putting in all of them. Each of the last yeah. three, I could only find, I could only find one other time in the last six years that he went three consecutive events losing strokes putting. So you, we can talk about the swing all we want. We know that he switched to that mallet and and or half mallet, whatever it is. And I don't know. I mean, guys that are rolling it well don't usually switch their gear. Like that's that's right. the short of it. To me, to me, Rick, that's allocation of time. And we had him on on the podcast talking about it, and he said it helped him start the ball online more. The putter, mm -hmm. the new putter, which means to me, he's trying to save time. He's not work. He's not able to work on his putting as much. So he's losing control of the line. So he switches putters to try to uh, take a variable out. And, and that is all a result of the time that he's spending working on his golf swing. He's trying to rework a, a motion here that takes time and other areas of your game slip. And now he doesn't have either. And I think this is ultimately what we're looking at is a allocation of time that is kind of let his strength slide a little bit. Will it come back? Yeah, it'll come back at some point. Um, but I just, I, I think it's still going to be a while. I think Ricky's still a ways away. Mm, okay. Uh, I'm, um, I'm, I'm focusing on a bit on Bubba Watson here. Sia, he's someone who's been excellent off the tee. He's been pretty good on approach in the last couple of months. And uh, while he has good history here at TPC Scottsdale, he's never closed one out. He's going to try to change that this week. Is there anybody else in the in the bottom half of this $8,000 range, whether it's Gary Woodland, Russell Henley, Sibu Kim, that is interesting uh, you this week? 
Yeah, my initial thought was fade Gary Woodland, and I'm still there. I kind of liked to see Wu Kim until I looked at his course history here, and it's not very good. I think I'm settling on Russell Henley, and honestly, I kind of want your opinions on this because his recent history is kind of up and down. He's he's missed some cuts. In fact, he was my one and done at the American Express, and and we know how well (laughs) that went. And the the funny part was I I actually thought he was a safer play, and and here I kind of think he's a safer play with those approach numbers that are so good for him, but I'm not so sure it is a safe play, especially when you look at his history here i mean it's miscut it's 15 it's miscut it's 16th so i don't know what like i hate this range but i think henley is my favorite guy in the range well that that history here is kind of his recent history right so his history at waste management cut 15 cut 16th uh his history is reasons lead in form cut 11th cut 30th i mean he just this is kind of what he does so like if if that interests you if you're willing to take on the missed cut equity for potentially top 10 upside especially at a course that i think really does lend itself to ball strikers you've got a good ball striker here so uh just i i, I by no means think he's safe but i do think he's a a, a viable option greg anybody else here you know we didn't talk a, a lick about brooks we didn't say a word about louis Oosthuizen. um is there anybody else we should talk about here? I, I think Louie could be an option, but he's just, he's way up at the top of that range. And I, I think you, you may be able to get him. Maybe if you stack him with a Zalatoris or something, you may be able to get him with some nice lineups with a couple of the options in the nine K, but he's just kind of just outside of the price range where I really like Louie. So I'm, I'm, I was right there with Sia where I'm in between Gary Woodland and Russell Henley and I think Gary Woodland is trending in the right direction. He doesn't necessarily check my boxes with the iron play, right? The iron play hasn't been great as of late, hasn't been great on the year, but I just have a feeling that he's trending in the, in the right direction, if that makes sense. And and sometimes, sometimes you got to go on a little bit of a feeling when you get down into, into the eights. You, in the in the 10k plus in an event like this and the 9k, we can we can check all the boxes. Get down right. here. Now, all of a sudden, we start to have question marks. So when I'm looking at Gary Woodland, I love his course history. He's won here. He's got three top 10s. He's got got, um, and he's got four top 25s total, and he's only missed two cuts. So there's a safety element to this as well. And he did play very well at the American Express. And you could argue he played pretty well last week at the Farmers Insurance Open. He had he had two bad rounds in the middle of the tournament. And you could throw that to the difficult conditions on, on Friday and Saturday. He shot a nice round of 70 on Sunday. So I think Gary Woodland's trended in the right direction, and I might go that way. Uh, interesting. And there's a good question from the chat here. When was the last time Brooks was in the eight thousands? Um, I'm looking back. I see one time RBC heritage, uh, June, 2020, he was 8,600. He finished seventh, uh, outside of that. It has been a while. WGC bridge. If you took away his name, Rick, if you took away his name, where do you think he would be priced based on, uh, well, that recent form. Let's look at this. So he has missed three straight cuts. Uh, he doesn't have, I mean, he's won this event, I guess, but, but he's got 42nd yeah. and 41st in his, in his last two trips and he hasn't played it. Uh, I bet you he would be 7,700. I think he's $1,100 too expensive. Wow. Yeah. I, I think, I think that may even be, it's high. I think it'd be lower. I was thinking yeah. maybe like seven flat. I was going to say 7,100 or something. I mean, he's still, he's still, you know, he's four starts removed from a top 10 at the masters. Yeah. So, fair point. True. You know, fair, very fair. And he had a, a nice PGA championship and he's done great the week before majors. He, yeah. Yeah. That's fair. So, but, but somewhere in the sevens, definitely. Yeah. Still, still too expensive. Right. Yeah. At 8,800 is definitely, definitely wrong. Um, speaking of the sevens, this is a very interesting range. I think there's some, uh, really chalky guys in here. I think there's some interesting plays in here. It starts off with Corey Connors and Max Homa. See ya. It goes all the way down to Martin Laird, Patton Kazire, Shea Reve, Chez Reeve. Is there, is there someone or some ones that is most exciting to you in this 7K range? Yeah, I'm all about ball strikers here. And Corey Connors and Emiliano Grio, I did say I was the president yes, of his fan yes, club. Now, now Grio's history here isn't very good. And frankly, his his recent history isn't amazing. But I just still like him. I just still like the strokes gain metrics on, on approach. 
uh, in particular, uh, and and off the tee. And Corey Connors really measures out well, and his recent history is good. The one kind of sleeper guy I'll give you in this range, if there is such a thing in the 7K range, is Michael Thompson. He's been really, really good lately. He's not great off the tee. That might hurt him a little bit here, but his approach numbers lately have been really good. And I believe, let's see, in his last four, 5th, 25th, 21st, and 15th. Pretty good for a guy named Michael Thompson. I'm pretty sure I, I run the optimal lineup every week at when everything, when the dust settles and Michael Thompson's been in the optimal lineup, probably two of those four weeks. <laughs> he just like, cause he's been so cheap and he, and he, he makes birdies or there was a week where he made, uh, I think he made two Eagles. Maybe it was the American express. I mean, so like the, 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 the fantasy scoring certainly goes a long way. I look at this $7,000 range and Greg, I see, I see Brendan Steele, and I say, Hmm, Brandon Seals coming off a fourth. He's coming off of a 21st. He's missed two cuts here in a row, but he made his eight previous to that. And I just think people, I don't know if there's, I don't think people dislike Brendan Steele because I don't think there's anything to really dislike. I just don't think he ever gets played. I think they look at what he did at the Sony Open and say that was a failure when in reality it was a fourth place finish. He's a good ball striker. That's a guy that I think is an interesting pivot from someone like a Henrik Norlander who will probably be one of the highest owned golfers in the 7k range this week. Um, so I'm glad you brought up Norlander. Um, cause I'm going to, I want to get to him cause I really yeah. like what, what he's got going on. But, um, to, to speak on Brendan Steele, the concern with Brendan Steele to me is it's not just what happened at the Sony open, but last year we had very similar occurrences. There were a number of times where he got himself into contention, had a chance to win and he, and fades. And in fantasy that gets, you you get your hope so high, right? That, but that's the only there. thing. That's that's it, because in in reality, Greg, if you sign me up for a fourth place finish right now, get. But the problem is, you was in first, and you see your currently winning number, and then when he drops down to fourth, it's even worse. So it's like I, I get yeah. it, but but and how far look, is the slide this time? Right? Is it is it fourth or is it eleventh or is it? Yeah, where does you know you don't know? Is it a seventy seven? Where where does he, where does he go? And that is why I think people get a little afraid of him because there's a, there's a tendency to not perform on Sunday and, and it, it, it's concerning. I know it's concerning to me. I love last week having a Francesco Molinari in the lineup. Who's kind of, Oh, we, okay. He made the cut. That's nice, but he's not doing anything. I thought he would have a good week, but I'm, I'm wrong. And all of a sudden it's a T nine. That's totally different than the Brendan Steele T four totally different so I, I don't know but let me get to hendrick norlander because yeah, um, he checks all the to me he checks all the boxes and i'm at a point at 7500 i don't care if he's popular uh i i love what he's got going on he has he, he missed a number of cuts for a while in the middle of this season he was coming off four missed cuts and uh yeah four missed cuts in a row but then he has tied 12th at the American Express, tied second last week at the Farmers. It's important because the American Express is a different kind of event. It's a it's a birdie fest, right? The Sanderson Farms earlier in the year where he came in tied fourth is a birdie fest. And the Farmers is tough. So this tells me this guy, I think he's just really, he's really playing well. Last year, he was very accurate off the tee and he was putting great. And that's why he kind of popped into some lineups. But this year, his iron game has gotten a lot better. From what I'm noticing, he's 31st in strokes gain approach the green for the year, and he's played 10 tournaments. So there is a the the sample size is growing, and he's hit 74% of his greens regulation. So I'm looking mm. at that guy saying, okay, recent form is good. Last two events have been great. He's got to be riding high on confidence, and his approach game improved dr- tremendously from last year. So I think he's a guy who's found something, and I'm going to go uh, popular or not. I'm going to take him in in my lineup this this week. Many he of was, my lineups this week. He was second in strokes gained tee to green last week. Molinari that you speak of was third. Uh, thanks to our friends over at William Hill. I have a hundred to one Francesco Molinari Masters ticket, which I don't know how I feel about, but he might well, be back, Rick. Yeah, I think he. I think he is. We talked about it a little bit last week. Um, and look. We'll see what happens with Molinari, we'll but there's it, a lot of, he, there's could, a lot of he could be back. And I like, I like what I'm seeing so far. Is he, is he masters back? I don't know, but a hundred to one. Could you imagine? I will. Could you imagine he's leading the masters? He gets to the 12th hole on Sunday. Like imagine what's going through this guy's head for a second time. You think about what has happened to him since then, right? Since that shot, he has disappeared. 
yeah. last two weeks, maybe he's making a little resurgence. So hopefully. Yeah. Easing back into it. I'll be quick on two guys here, Sia. They're, the two that stick out to me the most, I think, in this range is Max Homa. So if you want to talk about guys who are back, quote unquote, he had a you know a five-event stretch of uh, top 25s before the shutdown. Uh, could never rekindle that after the restart until recently. He's got back-to-back top 20s, essentially. One of them was the 21st. Uh, and he has a sixth-place finish here last year, and he, and he striped it. I think he was eighth in approach last week. And then I'm looking down at the bottom here, and I see Sebastian Munoz, who... Um, his name always seems to pop up on this on this podcast, and um, I just think he could. I think at seventy one hundred dollars, he could arguably be the most mispriced golfer on this slate with with kind of what the rest of his peers look like. I mean, Sebastian Munoz should not be the same price as Sepp Straka and Wyndham Clark. That that is what I'm getting at here. I agree with that. Yeah, you're looking for you're you're looking for upside, right? And Sebastian right. Munoz has it. He he's often a guy I have as a first round leader because he can go you know seven under, eight under in a day, and you're hoping he can do it for three days. And all of a sudden, you've you've got a, a premium DFS lineup. By the way, guys, Henrik Norlander. If you guys want to hit a hundred to one shot, and you don't want to wait for Francesco at the Masters. He's hundred to one here. And honestly, if you don't think his upside is capped, and and I, I think Greg made a really good argument that maybe it's not hundred to one. I mean, that's that's a nice little play there. I think. Uh, William Hill in Nevada actually has a better number on him at 120. So I might just uh, click that, click that little guy right here while we're on the show. Uh, all right. While I do that, why don't we move down to the $6,000 range and see how you can kick us off here. So this is Cameron Tringale, Dylan Fratelli, JT Poston, all the way down to hold on is Michael. Michael Kim made a cut last week and he actually made a cut three weeks ago, Greg. I know we've been thinking about this for a while. We, I, I didn't, we forgot to mention this. Yeah, I didn't know he made it last week. I'm fired yeah. up to hear that because that's not an easy one to make. But um, I didn't. I did know that he made it three weeks ago, so that kind of it relieved a lot of my Michael Kim pressure. But good for yeah. him. Hopefully, yeah. he's making a comeback. 65th at the Sony, 53rd at the Farmers. So that's uh, at, at the min price. It's it's well worth it if he makes the cut. But see, who who do you like in this range? So a couple guys that don't really grade out well here, but golfers that I usually lean on down in this range. Stuart Sink is one of them. Uh, and, and I want to mention Davis Riley real quick, uh, just because I, I do think he has some upside here. Um, Corn Ferry Tour guy that that I, I think this is his first. PGA event. You guys correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Davis Riley at 6,100 down down there. If you want to not not in a single entry or a three max, but maybe if you're playing a bigger tournament, I think he's an, an interesting play. And then Doc Redmond and Joel Damon. Listen, their their course history here isn't very good. Their recent history isn't very good. But I just happen to think they just haven't re, they haven't found their form yet. And I think both of those guys have plenty of upside in this range. Davis Riley played something, but he might have played it as an amateur. Uh, U.S. Open, maybe. Greg, am I? I his name. I that right. I, his name popped up uh, here on the first cut. We talked about him on the yeah, first cut. I have it right. I don't here. know if it was the U.S. Open, but um, we definitely have brought that name up. So he played. Okay, so he played the U.S. Open. He missed the cut. Then I think he turned pro. I could be very wrong about this, but I'm, no, that can't be right because he played the Corn Ferry Tour before that. Then I'm I'm all confused. But Davis Raleigh did play the U.S. Open. He missed the cut. He played the Sanderson Farms. He missed the cut. Those were his last two PGA events. I don't know who else I was thinking of. He was very good on the Corn Ferry Tour. Him and Will Zalatoris were very yes. good on the Corn Ferry Tour. Correct. That yes, the end of the end of the middle of 2020. He won on the Corn Ferry Tour. He won in uh, in San Antonio. He backed up with a top ten. Yeah, another top ten a couple weeks later. Uh, yes, he actually won twice on the Corn Ferry last year. So that's maybe. That's where we were talking about him or whatever. That means uh, something. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And and you're never going to get any um, any qualms from me for playing Doc Redmond, who's a great ball striker, and we're getting just an absolutely depressed salary at 6600 Greg, I look at the $6,000 range. I see guys like Kevin Streelman, that kind of mold. I see guys like Kyle Stanley, who's won this event before. Is there anybody else that we're missing? I uh, am going back and forth on whether or not I should go here because this is, <laughs> I have a reputation to uphold. Okay. And <laughs> I have with this player, I have been known as a little bit of a whisperer. Oh, uh, wait, okay. can I guess who this is? Yeah. 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 I'm hoping it's Richie Warinsky. Yeah. There you <laughs> go. <laughs> so I, I uh, I've gone to Richie Wierenski once <laughs> in my yeah. career, and uh, I, I was a, it was a, gr- a great story from last year. 
for, yeah, for you me, should never, let me uh, let me set the table. So so we were doing our picks and and the way we had it set up last year is we would do pick to win top ten sleeper and we'd be like a pick to win would be like a top eight guy. Uh, you know your top ten would be like one of the top guys who wasn't going to win and then sleeper would be like somebody in like the 50 or 60 to one range. And yeah. Greg wasn't on the show and he, and just in the outline dropped in Richie Warinsky, like 120 to one or something. And we joked like, oh, what, what, what is he talking about? <laughs> and also like, I want him to explain himself. He's not even on the show to explain himself. And, and I think Richie Warinsky goes out. He's the first round leader, Greg. He finished. Yeah. Like, I don't he know what he finished, but it was like top four hole lead. Or he was in the final group yeah. and Sunday didn't go great. It was the three M open and he ended up winning the very, his very next start. At That's the right. Barbasol or Barracuda. Or Barracuda. Yeah. I get those yeah. two mixed up, but yeah. one of those. So, uh, so Richie, I have a feeling this week, I, I think I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to go with it. I have to at this point. Wow. So I, I think this could be a Richie Wierenski week. Now he played last week and it didn't go great on Sunday. Um, yeah. And look, this is a big turn. This, this has happened to Richie before he's played well and Sunday hasn't gone great. And, um, and, and that can happen. So am I eating my words of what I said about Brendan Steele? I, I don't think so. And the reason for that is he's down in the 6K range. Mm -hmm. So it, it's a different, it's just a different expectation that you have. And he has a tied 21st at the American Express with a 75 on Sunday and a tied 60th at the Farmers Insurance Open with 79 on Sunday. So I'm looking at a guy who's in really good form and he's got a, a one day hurdle to jump. And if he can do it, I think he'll be a great value play down in this range. So uh, I've been kind of chalky, a little bit safe in the higher uh, portions of this, um, of this board. And I think with Richie down here, I, I think we could take a shot on Richie. Yeah, it's definitely a big difference, uh, especially in your steel comparison, because he's like a thousand dollars cheaper. So it's all, right. if he has, yeah, if so he's 79, whatever. And I, I think uh, Richie, I feel like has less experience in, in the moment, which may sound like a bad thing, but I, I think it's actually a good thing. He's, he, it's not like he's scarred yet to where Brendan Steele's a veteran and he, and he knows how hard it is. And he, he knows all of these Richie's still, he's still young. So, um, he's only, he's 29 years old. I think Richie's feeling like he's one round away. I'm not sure Brendan Steele's in the same place. Maybe that's hmm. unfair, but I like Richie this week. All right. Gentlemen, waste management open. Super Bowl. Can I say that? Big, the big game coming up on Sunday. Uh, maybe we'll bleep that out. I don't know. Uh, Producer Jacob, thank you very much. Greg Ducharme, thank you very much. You can find Greg at the real GFD. Sienajad, thank you very much. You can find him on Twitter at Sienajad. You can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut, and we'll catch you next time. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.